0: Good morning. morning. Greetings to each of you in the precious name of Jesus this morning. I uh, trust that you are here with with uh, motives of being blessed. That As we come to worship together, we come with a sense of understanding as was mentioned, our, our many needs. And um how many times have you times have you been in a store and and uh, you were wandering around or whatever and someone has to ask you well are you finding what you need can I help you with something and we chose to say no I'm just browsing or I've got what I need We didn't feel very needy did we But if we were there with a real need we would have likely acknowledged it in some way to that person that inquired. Our assessment of our perspectives uh, are interesting to consider sometimes. By the way, just in a comment, I think Brother Travis mentioned the Boys Club. Um, for the last couple of months has been a young fellow that attended Boys Club years ago. Um, he's been coming there to Pike pretty regularly. Um, it's just interesting to relate to him and and the others. we could, had a chance to speak with him quite a while. and his expression of wishing, you know, he learned things earlier, but he, at the same time, then he remembers that different ones at that, that activity taught him things and told him things that he still retains. And so whether it's at Boys Club or wherever we are, let's draw strength and and uh, perseverance and diligence in, in sharing the blessings of God for his glory, knowing that he can do with it beyond what we ask or think. And and then on the other side, let's use that as a reminder that when we say less than ideal things or whatever that might be, that that can be a harmful aspect in the hearts of others as well. So blessings to those of you who are able to involve yourselves in that. I made a comment in Sunday school that probably had left a few brethren wondering uh, a few comments were made and I said well don't don't get too much into my message and they were probably wondering what what I'm planning to share this morning but I think they'll understand and uh, the aspect of of life is is so interesting and as scripture speaks to us I, I trust that we find it inspiring to to be strengthened by it, to be directed by it, um, and one of the last things that we were, directives were given in Sunday school class was that the brethren were encouraged to read Psalm 78 this week. So at this point, we're going to turn to Psalm 78. I invite you to turn to Psalm 78. We won't spend an extensive amount of time here, but this will lay the groundwork and be drawing the text verse for the message this morning from this passage. Verse 7 in specific, but let's begin at verse 1 and read through um, verse 8 at least. Psalm 78 Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers that they, should not, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God I'd like us to focus on verse seven this morning that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments sometimes uh, it's easy for us and proper for us as people to consider ourselves our, our own families, our own relationships to have great importance as far as, as that um, ongoing teaching that needs to happen between the generations. And yet we live in a world, and, and perhaps our part of the world is probably one of the leading opponents to the principle that the Scripture sets forth of, of the oncoming generations, not giving proper uh, consideration to history to that which (coughs) their um, parents, grandparents, and so forth can relate to them to help them in laying a foundation that verse 7 says that they might set their hope in God. Now this morning, it's easy for us to grow old slow. In other words, we can become viewed old and not consider ourselves very old. Just recently, a little boy asked his mama about one of his aunts having a birthday, and he asked how old she's going to be. And the answer was, well, she was going to be 39, turning 39. And the next older brother says, and then she'll die. But you see, they spoke with the clarity of their understanding, their perspective, their position in life. Um, This morning, you probably recall, I referred some time ago to a situation involving a conversation with a young fellow that asked me the question, what I thought of this generation. If you notice, this passage here talks about generations, doesn't it? It talks about generations. It talks about the duties, the blessings that can be there. Um, Let me just turn to Joel. I can find it here quickly. Joel chapter 1, verse 3, is one of the one one of various places, but it talks about the duties we have in our calling as God's people. But he's uh, let me begin in verse 2. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Then in verse 3 he says, Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. Now, one of the one of the things that this stands out to me as it does, and I think we do well to revisit, not not dwell on it too long, but it is something that I think can be a blessing to us because it relates this this principle is something that relates to us in our churches and our families and just as much in the world around us. Just as much in the world around us. Because where there is a significant disconnect between the generations, there is a, and that is not unheard of, but it's interesting to notice with the passing of time and technology and the the cycles of cultures, the, the changes that can come can be so rapid and there can be vast differences between The toddlers, the adolescents, the youth, the middle age, the older. Now, this morning here, how many of you all know what the Silent Generation is? I think I saw Ken grin. You probably, probably a few of you do, but there are just a few here that would relate to it in a real way. Um somewhere along the way you've probably heard of the generation gap. I'm not sure when that became into use came into usage as such, but you can go and, and look at different places and these are I have a little sheet here I printed off from the Pew Research Center <clears throat> and this is out of date already. This is I think this was published in uh that only went to 2019, but it breaks down in somewhat in, as I understand it, in our the culture and land in which we are are uh, a part of, groupings of people that, for a variety of reasons, tend to have certain characteristics, certain things about them and their understanding, their view of life, by virtue of their experience, what they were trained, how they were brought up, what they went through. I was recently just pondering, you know, it's hard for me to believe. And I heard about it, but how much impact did it have in my life? The things my fathers and and grandparents and forefathers went through. And yet we live in the moment. Brother Mark mentioned in his prayer, something that we're here just now this morning, today, it'll be gone, we'll be moving on to the next moment. How much impact did it have on my life that my one grandfather was in prison camp and threatened to be shot for his faith. Now, if that happened to one of our men in the last week or month or something, it would probably be close on our hearts. It'd be, we'd be thinking about that test of faith. And yet, that happened back a couple of generations during World War I. Um, my grandfather was in prison camp with Aldine Brenneman, for those of you that remember the name and the person, Myrna Shank's father. Um, but what so often is lost in, <clears throat> in understanding, now, Brother Raymond had a tooth out this week. I'm just talking here, Brother. I'm, I'm being practical. I'm trying to make it stick, Okay. Some time ago, we were visiting with some of our family and my one son had plans to have his wisdom teeth out. And I just told the grandsons there, I said, I got mine out for $10 a piece. And in their early teen years, it was like, they slowly broke into a grin thinking, how does this work? You know, $10 is, that's a big Mac at McDonald's. their perception, their understanding, it was different. It's just a reminder of the value, whether it's in the Word of God, their own life experiences. So many times that I believe that even we have missed the blessings and guidance and wisdom of, and I say we as older, middle-aged older people, um, the wisdom of our parents and grandparents because we forgot or didn't have the opportunity to hear them recount things that were impactful in their life experience. Some of you may be wishing for snow. Most of you probably have gone sledding sometime along the way. But if we took a little a young boy here this morning and went on a sledding hill. Significant sledding hill and stood at the top. I don't know what that little boy would think about going down. If he's had any experience sledding or not. But if you or I with some experience in that realm would stand there with him, our perspective and, and decisions would be made on a totally different basis. Because we would likely know to assess how big of a hill, how slick it was, the weather conditions, how many how big a crowd of people were there, if there were people walking up the middle of the trail. Why? Because We've observed it, we've experienced it, we've seen accidents happen, we've heard of accidents happen where people suffered severe injuries getting hit. And so how we would approach it would be different. That's not to say there's anything wrong with that little child's perspective. But they are there, as one brother said this morning, our parents to teach the children what are proper motives or what are proper goals, and so we're in this this university of life together. <clears throat> and sometimes we overlook those elements of of life that affect us because of uh, not not just relating to our our congregational church setting, but also the generational aspect um And there's varied data out there. I did print off another sheet that that talks about it references the differences between the years of birth let me let me go over this here just briefly with you this morning. <clears throat> um, you know, the silent generation would have been those folks. pretty much in the 75 to 91 year or beyond. And we have a couple here probably with us today, I'm not sure how many. Um, but there was a different, to a, to a very degree, the atmosphere, the environment they were brought up and raised in uh, brought a different response. Then the You've probably all heard the baby boomers. You've heard that term, baby boomers. Who can tell us what it means? It's a generation of people that were born after the war. After World War II. Um, and so, many of us here this morning, quite a few of us, can identify with that with that age range of. Uh, You know, being born in the, after World War II, 1946 to 1964 range, um, a boom of births. And they were not only, it was not only a boom of births, but it was also, they were born to parents that experienced, observed, heard war. Um, even in previous wars I recently at a family gathering one of the blessings that I drew from there was some refreshed and deeper, deeper memories of, of what was involved in, in the past generations challenges and upbringing and the fact that to our younger generation here this morning and even to us it sounds foreign that you know grandmother wept when she could buy sugar after the war. Now, I dare say probably none of you thought about that in the last month or the last year. But then when we look at those grandparents, and we see what they did. They, like us, lived imperfect lives. And yet, if our younger generations, if we don't help the younger generations see some aspects of what they experienced and why they did what they did, they can miss so many blessings. They can miss so much understanding in in many of those ways. And so I've I've come to to see, see that it is a challenge and a blessing for us to cultivate that not only in our own families but in the generations around us and the world around us, in Boys Club, wherever the setting may be, <clears throat> that, there, that we might act on those teachings, those records for our blessing and our benefit as, as the Scripture sets forth here, but that they might set their hope in God. And I'd like to think with you this morning when it says, they. We could put that label on any generation here, any grouping, but who are they? Who are they? It is any and all of us in our varied groupings, if you will, that can be ministered to and directed and blessed by those things that should be declared to us that we should remember And so we have many opportunities as siblings. You know, sometimes it's interesting to observe even siblings. Sometimes they'll have a young little sibling and they'll be educating them on what they know. It's an interesting picture. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing, but it's, they, they are passing it on in that short time span, and yet they're missing so much of the longer picture. Let me go back to the boomer generation. The boomer generation was one that experienced war. Many of those people labored hard during the war, serving uh, in our culture in the US. After the war, they had goals. They developed perspectives based on what they experienced. And one of those perspectives was to to make something of themselves to provide in such a way that their children wouldn't have to go through what they went through in their life. That sounds pretty worthy, doesn't it? Sounds like a lofty goal. But there's a potential with some challenges with that. Have you ever observed a child or a generation that was given everything they needed and didn't have to work for it. See, they had, a, they had a, a, a worthy motive, a worthy goal in a sense. And yet, it came with its own set of challenges if it was not seen in proper perspective. And That is one of the blessings that sometimes we take for granted, how the Word of God sets forth quite clearly the method of life that we are called to pursue, of diligence, of service, of labor. Um, And now, today, we have that opportunity to seek to continue to live it out in the midst of varied generations. We have Generation X, Generation Y, or the Millennials, and Generation Z, and and now the little youngest ones here this morning, I guess, would be Generation Alpha. I think they're going back to A, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. <clears throat> In our time... Another aspect of of generational change that can come in the in the '60s. Some of you older ones here can recount it better than I. But the I'm trying to think how to describe it the rebellion and, and adherence or in entering into immoral. Um, Lifestyles involving sexual orient, uh, pursuits and orientation was a a shadow cast in many ways. Um, that has borne much fruit to cause distress and tears through the years, where elements of a goodly heritage were rejected, cast out. For motives of the flesh, for motives of casting aside the teaching of previous generations. How many of you have ever heard of helicopter parenting? That's interesting. Put those hands back up. I'm just, okay. If you've never heard of it, you may you may connect the dots, you may not, but but uh, you've probably observed it. And I'm not sure the time frame, but a generation where parents came to to take very personal their responsibility and goal of protecting their little children, of hovering over them and protecting them from other influences and and shielding them and. And that can even have its, its own outgrowth in the fact that depending on if it's interaction with others or certain uh, involvement in conduct or activities, but if there is a major shielding, there can be even a spiritual shielding, that, well, these are our children. The older generation should have nothing to say about how our children are taught or trained or raised. And we see that. That potential is there. Um, and um, that does not align itself with the scriptural principles. So there are many and varied aspects of, of the effects of different generations. You know, Gen Z this morning here, um, Those from their early 20s down to seven years old, thereabouts, something like that. I guess maybe a little bit older now, um, because this graph was a few years ago. Their view of life and understanding of life is based on what... The impact of the digital age, the the computer age, the cell phone age, um, to a great extent, to a great extent, the element of fast food. Anything prior to that was not even hardly known. <clears throat> um, I want to refer to just something here. Uh, It gives us a little bit of an insight. If you ask different generations what their deepest fears are, you know, the old generation, the oldest generation, their deepest fear is current the fear for this current generation. Um, and yet, what do our younger generation face? What are their deepest fears? Apart from a spiritual aspect, they have never experienced many real life altering impacts. Um, in Life-altering events. You know, for those born following my era, probably one of the first real life-altering events was 9-11. A stark, astounding occurrence that did not happen somewhere over there that could not be avoided. And yet... The current generation, their greatest life-altering event in recent years might be more on the level of iPhone 6 being released. That's a few years ago, maybe. But that was something, wow! But what is, our, what is my life and what, is, what are our younger generations, what is wowing them in life? Is the wow of the Almighty One registering in their experience? That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments When you think of setting, there is the aspect of, the thought of stability. It's pretty bright in here. Not seeing too much. Okay. Can you all see this other? Okay, okay very good what is this in general terms it's a laser level it's a modern asset to people that use them what is this Mark says it's out of level. It's designed to be able to correct itself. If if it's within four, four degrees, I think it is, something like that. But if it's on too uneven a surface, it can't function. And so the importance of us living and serving and laboring that the coming generation might set their hope in God, their ability to set their hope in God is to have a clear enough understanding of God that they are not sliding off the slope of disorientation. Of wrong calibration. And so, we can see, we can understand the concept of hearing people reaching out to God, seeking to serve God, and yet, they find themselves doing it in in a way that, that makes me think of the words of Jesus when He says, save yourself from that untoward generation. That warped generation. That warped perspective that does not understand or see God for who He is. And how can we attain that goal this morning? Each generation must make its decisions, and yet there are decisions that come at the responsibility of that generation but there's also the impact, the carryover of the responsibility that comes for. I'm just going to use the illustration of helicopter parenting. That should we employ wrong means, methods, or, or understanding in the rearing of our children, we shouldn't be surprised if they struggle being raised in a way that that uh, overprotected them, didn't expect. The reality out of what we should have been expecting out of them or, or many other aspects. Or if they were brought up hearing the earlier generation struggle and, and, and resent God and, and God's people, that type of thing can have, have an ongoing carryover that, except apart from the grace of God, is hard to overcome. And so I I counted a privilege this morning to even being one of the boomer generation to still be able to learn. And and I find it interesting to learn and be reminded of those things that help me to understand the life of my parents and my grandparents and those that I can know in part through the historical account. But it is important that we might set our hope in God that there is stability, that we start on a sure foundation. How can we do that? I leave it as much as a question and challenges to set forth in in direct detail. We all must acknowledge the fact that we in time past walked according to the course of this world as Paul challenged them there in Ephesians 2. But we also do well to understand that you know, as I sat in that waiting room and enjoyed the conversation I had with those individuals that day I referred to, when that question came, what do I think of the current generation? I didn't have Jesus there to tell me what to say or to answer that question. Turn to... Matthew chapter 11. Excuse me. When we think of the subject or the focus of the message this morning, sometimes we think we tend to, to settle in on the tension between the di- different generations. My cry this morning is that we interweave, interact, interminister between the generations. Jesus here is describing some interesting situations, but I want to break in here in verse 15. He says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? He's making a statement of his present time there. This generation. It is likened to children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say, He hath the devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous, and a winebibber, and a friend of publicans, and sinners. He's, he's describing, in a sense, if you look at this and analyze it, it's a bit of uh, variety and somewhat can convey the thought of some of the confusion we view around us today. He said, you know, we, we played music for something, a joyful occasion, a wedding, and you didn't dance. We've, we've had a funeral service. You've, we've had mourn, and, and you didn't participate. And he says, John came restricting himself. And they said, well, something wrong with him for sure. And Jesus came and did participate and ministered. And they said, He's a gluttonous and a wine bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. And then Jesus says, But wisdom is justified of her children. Wisdom is justified of her children. I don't know what that means to you when you hear it right now when I read that. The scripture is true, the word of God is sure. Where the people of God apply the wisdom of God, it bears the fruit of blessing in its people. Wisdom is justified of our children. Those who apply wisdom will bear the testimony that it was the right choice, that it was the right way, that it was the right thing to do. We have an exciting, some people would call it an awesome, some people would call it a very very difficult task, even to our oncoming generation in the times in which we live, to convey to them um, encouragement, guidance, direction in life, in the light of Scripture, in the light of life's experience, held in light of Scripture that they might set their hope in God. That is a beautiful picture for our children, for those that aren't our children, a person that is able to come to an understanding and express and act on their faith based on the Word of God. It is a blessing. Yet, we live in a culture where the Word of God is, by and large, is held in fairly low esteem. It is becoming, in the Gen Z and the Gen Alpha generation, it is not common that people draw near to the Word of God, that have a knowledge of the Word of God. And I'm sure any and all of us who relate to people in in the world around us, or otherwise can attest to the fact that sometimes it's very apparent that there is a very low working knowledge of the Word of God. And may God give us wisdom as individuals or in, in the hands of home, whatever the setting, that. that which is shared would be that which would cultivate in their minds to process and to seek after and to pursue God. In these younger generations, I think I read somewhere that in the Gen Z generation, in the general culture throughout this country, probably 80% of that generation would feel that there needs to be accommodation for homosexual relationships. What does that mean? Let's say it's off by five or 10% or 20 either way. It's still alarming. And we need to remind ourselves that those people are the ones we are talking to, pumping into, rubbing shoulders with. What can be shared from our generation to that generation that in the time to come they might set their hope in God. And might not fall into verse 8 as a stubborn and rebellious generation. Might they be like that young man who was expressing regret regret that he wished he was taught things earlier and sooner. And yet, many times, the students in the class that learn the most are the ones that are the ones that are hungrily learning. If they are there merely enduring the class, likely it will be hard to reach their hearts until there's the, the, there's a thirst awakened in their hearts and lives. See, our time is nearing an end. One of the things I trust you see as you look at this aspect of generations is that every generation needs to accommodate changes that come you know we've we've had our challenges trying to discern how to adjust to the smartphone generation, if you will, um, what's appropriate, what's safe, what's healthy for us as God's people And yet I want to leave you with an illustration that that can. It's a bit of a play on words, but I want you to understand that every day we must rise up and call the Lord blessed blessed, and seek His face for direction. A brother I know from another area was telling a, a story about <clears throat> he was a construction foreman and um, his boss came to him at one point and said, um, John, I, I'm going to I want my foreman's to be able to be reached, to be, have connections. I'm going to have phones put in your truck so that you're on the job, you have a phone in your truck. And for most of the younger ones here, they're wondering, well, what's so big a deal about getting a phone put in the truck? Well, we didn't even have cell phones then. We didn't have suitcase phones. They had to wire them into the vehicle at that point. And so the time came and he got his truck Taken and the phone was put into his truck and and he was told now the way this thing works you have your horn's going to beep four times if you don't get to it by the fourth toot well then you miss the call and so he had this understanding and and entered into life anew on the job site with a cell phone in his truck and went a few days and nothing happened and one day he was up on the putting on ridge comb and his horn blew. And so first thing, oh, this new thing, we gotta get down there and take care of this call. And so he hurries down the roof and of course timing how far he's getting according to how many toots have already happened. And going down the ladder, toward the bottom of the ladder, he tripped and dumped his apron of screws and things all over. He missed a step on the ladder and dumped everything out. So he went on, ran over to the truck, and he was getting, I think the third honk had already went. And he jerked the door open to try to get the phone quick, and the door come back and he ran into the door. But he got the call, and he answered the phone. And, uh, hello, this is John. Hi, honey, how's it, how's it going? Wanted to see how this thing worked. And he was already a bit exasperated from having to pick up his nail apron and running into the truck door and wasn't in the best train of thought at that point. (coughs) Anyway, after finishing the call, he went back over there to the ladder to begin picking up things, and one of his other men says, John, that cell phone is going to kill you. (laughs) that phone's going to kill you. And so the challenge of whether it's that truck phone, whatever else is in focus, learning to understand the dangers and the purposes and the usefulness, the choices that are made and the coming generation will set a trajectory for blessing in so many ways, or for sorrow and regrets down the road. When we think of life in a general way, may God give us the ability to understand that apart from anointing our eyes with humility, and a sense of gratitude, we will likely enter into many mistakes and errors in life's way. But may God give you wisdom today and remember that wisdom is justified of her children. I've only scratched the surface in this area, this subject this morning, but I trust that you will have found it thought-provoking in a way to affect your own life and heart, the lives of your families and children, and be a blessing for you to consider in the coming days. That they might set their hope in God. Isn't that a pretty picture? When we look at anyone we see and meet along the way, What a world would it be. We do have the promise after this life, all that their hope is set in God will be there in His presence. May God give us wisdom and perseverance as we walk faithfully. Shall we have a verse of song?